found it more difficult in the early stages, especially if I if I'd go on my Instagram when I was deep in that pool and really being held under. And you know, you flip through your Instagram stories just out of habit, and I am seeing all these people that I know just doing normal things, going to the shops, going to the beach, having drinks with friends. And I'm like, how can you be doing that? Like, don't you understand? Like, <laughs> don't you understand the world has stopped and everyone needs to stop what they're doing? It was. That was quite difficult, that time. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode, I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can I grieve the loss of a loved one? Today's amazing guest is Jessica Nilsson. Jessica is 33 years old, has a son and a daughter, and lives in Sydney. Jessica lost her mom suddenly four months ago and shares her grief journey on TikTok. Welcome, Jess. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's really exciting to be here and, and an honor to be invited on. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. My first question to every expert always is, how are your 30s going so far? You know what? It's so far, I'm only three years in, but it's the favorite decade of my life so far, obviously, aside from the loss. Um, but, you know, definitely prior to that, loving my 30s. What are some highlights that you've had in your 30s so far? Definitely going back to study. I had my two kids very young, so I'm sort of doing everything in reverse. So I, I went back to do some more study um, once I hit 30, which has been an amazing experience. And I actually find that I enjoy it a lot more at this age than I did when I tried it back when I was younger. I think you have a bit more of an idea of what you want, what you like and what you don't like. And yeah, so that's, that's been something that's been really a big thing, but fun. That is so impressive. What are you studying? Health science. Oh, wow. That's yeah, so yeah. impressive. I love that you're saying I'm kind of doing everything in reverse. That's amazing. Yeah. Quick heads up to the listeners. At the end of this episode, we will also talk about how to support having a loved one that's lost a loved one. So just a quick FYI there. Um, like I mentioned in the intro, you share a lot of your grief journey on TikTok where you so beautifully honest, uh, honestly share your feelings and emotions since your mom passed. And you uploaded a video this week where you had to pull over because a song came on that kind of smacked you in the face as you said it and you had to stop driving and it just hit me right in the heart. And your videos actually make me really emotional. So I don't know where our emotions are going to go in this episode talking about grief, but there is space for all of it. So we'll just kind of see where this episode's going to go. For starters, <laughs> for starters, can you share a story with us that describes your mom? I've been thinking about this question a lot and it's, it's really hard because Mum was like a series of little events that made up her as a person. And I think probably the thing that would describe her best is how the stories that everyone started telling me after she passed. So her friends, like her old high school friends, my dad, her sisters, everyone remembers my mum first and foremost as a hilarious person who had the best, most wicked sense of humour and would just be able to laugh through anything. So I think that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's my mom. She was just 
she was such a light, you know, she she could, yeah, she was so funny. Um, but not everyone got her sense of humour. She had quite a dark, um, very unique sense of humour. So not everyone enjoyed it. And so she had, you know, her close circle of friends and her family who understood it. But everyone on the outside couldn't understand that. So that's, yeah, that's sort of something that I would use to describe my mum. <laughs> That's a really funny way of describing it. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. No problem. (laughs) You talked about the initial shock you felt uh, in the first uh, few months after she passed. Can you explain that initial shock a little bit more? Yeah. So I have experienced loss where it's expected. Well, you know, you know, it, it was a cancer diagnosis of my grandfather. So that kind of loss to me, felt very different to the very sudden and unexpected loss of my mum. The best way, and the way I've described it before is, it's like being plunged into a big, dark pool of water by yourself and just held under there. And you can kind of see the world going on above the surface and you can't quite get your head above the surface. You can't quite join that world. You know that the world is carrying on and, and you're kind of floating along with it, but you're not really there in that world. That's kind of how it felt for a good month at least. And, you know, then there were periods of time where your head would pop up above the surface for a little bit, but then you'd be pushed back under. And I think over time, as you move away from that initial shock, you spend more and more time above the surface as opposed to being held underneath it. Uh, it's a nice, uh, nice way of putting it. It makes it very clear. Um, how has your grief changed over the past couple months? So I think the shock is still there. There's a lot of the time where I'm just going about my day-to-day activities and it just doesn't feel real. I think when it does hit me again, though, rather than feeling so shocked, it's more that there's so much time passing now where I haven't spoken to my mum. And, you know, we speak most days. We used to speak most days. Um, so that's something that's been quite, uh, it, it's becoming more of a presence now, just the fact that her presence isn't there and it's not going to be. That's something that, yeah, that change is happening. You just really start to miss them. And more and more, as you start to get more and more back into sort of normal routines, you, you're back at work and you're looking after your kids and you're doing all these things, more and more moments start to happen that you'd be like, oh, I should call mum or oh, I should pop in and see mum later and tell her about that or oh, I've got to take mum that, I've got to buy mum those flowers that she really liked next time I visit and, and then it just kind of, those things are hitting you over and over again more and more as you move away from the initial shock and the time since you last saw them is increasing and it's only going to get bigger. It is only going to get bigger and every time when you think... I want to pick up the phone or I should visit her. That's just grief hitting you all over again. Exactly. And that's what I describe as the big smack in the face. Like it's just that, oh, like I can never do that again. I can never call her. I can never, like the first instance that that happened to me was, it was, and it's weird. I was driving my car home from work and I was low on fuel. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, I better fill up fuel. And then I thought, oh, I haven't filled up fuel in ages. Why haven't I used a lot of fuel lately? Oh, it's because I haven't gone to see mum for a while. I should take that drive and go see her. And then smack. And that was the first instance that I had one of those moments. And they just start to become more and more frequent from there. 
What helps you in those moments? There really is nothing that does help. I mean, sometimes I feel like calling one of my siblings or a friend and, um, you know, expressing that the moment's happened. My siblings and I are in a little Facebook group chat. So often we'll just pop a little message in there. Oh, you know, this happened today. It sucked. And we can all commiserate. And, you know, that's quite nice. But, you know, that's the terrible thing about grief is that there really is nothing you can do. You just have to deal with it, you know, and that's probably the hardest part. You can't, there's nothing you can do to fix it. It doesn't go away. They're mm-hmm. not coming back. So that's probably that acceptance that, that that's now going to be a part of you forever is really tough. You mentioned that it feels like you're in the water and you see the world uh, go by above the surface how hard is it for you to deal with your grief when people around you are picking up their lives again? Like for the first couple of weeks, people are super considerate and they ask you all the time, how are you doing? And people are there for you, but then there's a point where everyone kind of picks up their own lives again. And how hard is that switch for you? I think I found it more difficult in the early stages, especially if if I go on my Instagram, when I was deep in that pool and really being held under and you know you'd flip through your Instagram stories just out of habit and Instagram is where I have more personal connections with people TikTok is you know a lot of people I don't know so Instagram I'm scrolling through and I am seeing all these people that I know just doing normal things going to the shops going to the beach having drinks with friends and I'm like how can you be doing that like don't you understand like (laughs) don't you understand the world has stopped and everyone needs to stop what they're doing it was that was quite difficult that time I think since then um it hasn't felt quite as severe as that since then um in those initial stages people definitely go about their lives but I'm really lucky that I have a a strong um family relationships with my family so we're still right in it all together my grandma my dad my siblings we're all still deep in it together so that does help it doesn't quite feel like everybody around me has gone back to normal yes yeah I guess it's so nice that you have your family and your dad um to kind of go through this together with yeah you also mentioned that when you're griefing you're also taking on other people's pain. Um, like you're hurting for your sibling. You mentioned that in a video because it's your sibling's birthday the f- is coming up and it'll be the first time with your mom passed. And you mentioned that you're carrying their grief as well as your own and their pain as well as your own. How do you deal with those moments when you're carrying someone else's grief? It's, it's almost like a little, a little reprieve from your own grief because it's, it's very hard to explain. I guess the best way that I could describe it is, I don't know if, if you read books or if you get really into television shows and you start to really love characters and relate to characters and bond with those characters and then someone that they love in that TV show or, or book series passes away and you can really feel their pain and you can wrap yourself in that pain and, and feel all of it, but it's also not your pain. So it's not it's not like you've lost that person, I guess. That's probably the closest thing I could find to describe it. Um, it, you know, I, I, it's a break from my own pain to feel their pain, and you know, as I'm the big sister, you know, so I'm the oldest of three, 
Um, and so my, you know, as an older sibling, for a lot of people, the natural instinct is to be like the pseudo parent, you know, so all my instinct is just to wrap them up and protect them from the pain, but I'm also feeling the pain. So it's, it's hard. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a way to deal with it again. You just have to, you just have to go through it. That is so much grief for you to carry. It is. And, and, you know, they'd be feeling it too, because I, you know, I message them all the time with my grief periods and, and they comfort me. So I think, you know, it's give and take. And I think that's very helpful to have. It's not all just being dumped on me and I'm not just dumping everything on them. We're, we're kind of sharing the grief amongst ourselves, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of, a lot of people don't have that. And I know there's a lot of family conflict after people die in a lot of cases. So I know that I feel, I feel very lucky to have that. That's beautiful. Um, speaking about firsts, like your birthday's already been your sibling's birthday, your son's birthday is coming up. Um, and there are all these firsts in the first year after someone passes holidays, birthdays. How do you deal with all of these firsts and the feelings surrounding them? What I've found to be really helpful for, especially on my own birthday and my mom's birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks too. Um, and my, my sibling also did this on their birthday on Wednesday. Um, we did things to honour mum as opposed to celebrating ourselves. You know, our birthday is the day that our mum birthed us. So we, you know, for example, on my birthday, I, I live right by a beach in Sydney. So I got up before the sunrise and I walked down with a candle and a photo of mum and I walked right down the beach, so I was all by myself, and I just, you know, set up a little candle and a photo, and I just watched the sunrise and thought of my mom, and and you know, spent a couple of hours just having a cry to myself, thinking of her, and then um, you can hear my voice starts to shake when I talk about it. I'm okay though, <laughs> um, and then I went back home, and Mum and I used to love watching the TV show Sex and the City together. That was our favorite tv show to watch together so i put that series on and i made myself a cosmopolitan and that was how i spent my day and then, <laughs> and so it was just it was things to make me feel i guess close to my mom or doing things that i probably would have done with mum um doing things to honor her um my grandma came and visited me for a coffee on my birthday as well which was lovely and she actually gave me a a beautiful gift which was a letter um, that my mum had written her from Sweden right after I was born. Um, so it was, I was only a few days old and it's just the most beautiful letter, just captures mum's whole personality. So that was very special. So I've just read and reread that all day and sit Cosmopolitan and, and watch Sex in the City and <laughs> just did things that mum and I would have enjoyed doing together. And my sibling did a similar thing on their birthday on Wednesday. So I think it's a nice thing to do. That is such a good idea. I think anyone that is listening that has a first coming up can really kind of shift their day into honoring that person and and the relationship the two of you had. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I spent all day crying. It was not a happy day, but (laughs) it was, but it didn't feel like my day. And, you know, every year, my month, my birthday month is a birthday month. It's not just a day. Like I'm, I'm mad about my birthday celebration. So it was in itself weird that I didn't, like I deleted the, um, you know, the public notification on Facebook that it was my birthday. I just didn't want anyone to acknowledge it. So it was very 
out of character for me, but it felt like the right thing to do, just making it all about mum and not me. I think that's a beautiful idea. Yeah, it it did help. (laughs) You are using your platform on TikTok to tell people that their experiences and feelings when it comes to grief is not unique, which is very much why I started this podcast as well. If there's one thing I learned is that in your 30s, you're not unique. We're all running into the same questions, problems, um, which I think is so amazing that you're explaining in your TikTok, any, everyone that's going through grief will have a lot of similarities to their experience, which I think is amazing that you pointed that out. And I kind of like, we all like to think that we're super special, but we're not really when it comes to these things. And I think that's really, really like a nice way of putting it. Um, There are seven stages of grief, they're saying. Um, But you also say that a lot has surprised and shocked you about griefing. Uh, What are some of those? I think it's just the way you feel. So, for example, one of them is um, how tiring it is. You know, you, for example, I have two kids. I work full time. I have a relationship. I try to have a good social life when I feel up to it. So by the time the kids are in bed, you know, the dishes are done and I have like maybe 30 minutes left in me to stay awake before I'm ready to crash. Um, I love reading books. So it's like most nights it's a choice. Do I read my book for half an hour or do I cuddle mum's jacket and cry for half an hour? So it's kind of like some nights you're just like, I don't want to cry all the time. Sometimes I just want to enjoy my book. But then you get this feeling of like, but maybe I should be crying because I know that it's healthy to let those emotions out. So you're kind of dealing with this internal battle all the time about what is the right thing to be doing for myself to help me get through this. Um, when I do give in to those big cries before bed, sometimes they last hours, sometimes it's five minutes and then I feel better. Well, not better, but I feel like I've had enough crying. When I have those big cries that last for ages and I get really emotional and the sobbing happens and it's, you know, it's overwhelming, I wake up the next day feeling almost hungover. Like it's it's really strange. It it literally feels like a hangover. Like my head is foggy. I feel like I slept terribly. I'm fatigued. My concentration is poor. It it honestly feels exactly like I had a massive night out, but it was just you know, and that's something that's definitely surprised me is just how tired you will feel of being sad. Like you just like, oh, I just need a break from it. But, you know, you just know that it's never coming. Because with me, if I'm having a big cry over whatever, just because I'm sad about something, often it's a relief. But I guess in the case of grief, it's not at all a relief. No, and I think, you know, we have to remember that when we're grieving, our body is just in this massive state of like, it, like essentially fight and flight mode like we're st- our body's so stressed from mourning this person and so I think yes like crying is definitely healthy and maybe I need to take notice of how I feel two days after the cry versus the day after the cry <laughs> you know maybe that will be more reflective of how cathartic it's been but you know uh, it, it, that grief crying is is so different to any other sort of crying that you'll ever do you know it's 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 coming from a place of the pain feels like you should have physical marks on your body because it's so painful but you see nothing from the outside I guess it would be like those people with invisible disabilities you know you see nothing on the outside but they're really struggling with their disability you know it's very similar in in that um in that way you know you can't see anything 
but you just feel like you should be burnt from the outside in, you know? You also mentioned that getting ready for the funeral was one of the most surreal experiences. It was weird because, you you know, you you have to kind of say, is this outfit appropriate? Do, does this look okay? Should I curl my hair? Is it better just to leave it looking ratty like I just got out of bed because that means I look like I'm grieving more? Do I do my makeup? Do I not? Like it was just, and we ended up deciding, you know, we were like, well, what would mum want? Like, let's go with that. And, you know, she would want us all dressing as hot as we possibly could be, you know, like pick an outfit that makes you feel bright and colourful and awesome. So we all we all wore colour. Um, you know, my sibling wore bright green pants and a bright yellow jacket and I wore like a blue dress that was backless. Like it was, you know, it was it was really quite fun dressing that way and I think mum would have really enjoyed it. She was very much into her, you know, that's sex in the city. She really loved her fashion and her beauty and and her skincare and her hair. So I feel like we really honoured her in that way. And I think that if you can try to put it that way, what would that person want? Well, they want you to do whatever makes you feel good. And I think, yeah, we did that. So I think that would be my biggest piece of advice for the funeral getting ready. I ended up getting inspiration for this episode because my friend's dad passed away super suddenly. And I I'm a very, very lucky 33-year-old where the only grief I felt was for my grandparents. And my grandma, I was really, really upset about her passing. Don't want to sell, like, diminish that. But um, I, thankfully, have never really experienced the degree of grief that you are experiencing now and that my friend is going through now as well. Um, and I remember when people like when my grandma died, that people were like, oh, but she's in a better place right now. She's no longer in pain, la, la, la. And I'm like, this is so unhelpful. I really did not like it when people said that to me. And I've since uh, agreed with myself that I'm never, ever going to say that to anyone ever again, because <laughs> I just thought to me Thank personally, you. it was so unhelpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think maybe if you also agree with that and that we're both, we've both experienced that maybe let's stop saying that altogether because it is so unhelpful when someone's in pain. Cause even if it were to be true, it doesn't take away from the pain that you're feeling and the grief that you're feeling. It not, it not, it makes nothing easier. So Nothing. Let's just maybe scratch um, saying that altogether. <laughs> yeah, agree. I agree. I, I even had some people, you know, I, I, especially on my TikToks, you know, people on TikTok just feel that they can comment anything and everything on a stranger's post. You know, when it comes from a friend, you know it's coming from a place of love. And when it comes from a stranger and you're saying things like, oh, I just really wanted to call my mom today, but I couldn't and I realized that I never can and it was devastating and people go, you can talk to her still. She's beside you. Still talk to her. And I'm like, be quiet. No, she's not. Like, that's a really silly <laughs> thing to say. Like, I understand their intention behind saying it, but I'm like, shush. Like, no, that's, that's, a, that's a totally unhelpful thing to say. Or, you know, um, you'll see her again one day. Or she wouldn't want you to be sad. Don't be sad. That's not what she'd want. And it's like, well, actually, I feel like my mom would really be offended if I wasn't sad. But she not <laughs> And you're absolutely right by saying that a lot of these people, the people that are close to you, it comes from a place of love, but regardless, it's just not helpful. Like people saying this on TikTok also don't mean it mean, it doesn't come from a mean place, but 
it's not really, yeah, just, it's not very helpful. So what I would like to ask you, what in your experience is the best way to support someone going through grief? Because in my case, it's a friend, like I don't see her as often as for example, your husband sees you sad all the time, your children too. So there might even be separate answers to your degree of separation with someone, but how do you think you've been supported best? So my partner, um, you know, and just as a disclaimer, he's, he's like a house husband anyway. I take on, I do a lot of the mental load in the house, appointment bookings and finances and all that. So he does most of the housework already, but he literally just picked up and did everything, absolutely everything for the first couple of weeks. Like I don't think I lifted a finger and did anything like, he was getting the kids ready. He was driving everywhere. He was doing the washing, he's vacuuming. And I'm just sitting on the couch crying most of the time. Um, you know, he was quite incredible in that way. And, and it was like that silent support, um, just taking that load off me. So that was amazing. The other things that I found most helpful were um, the people that didn't message and say, let me know if you need anything, because as if I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, actually, while you're there, could you, you know, the people that just said, hey, um, you know, one girlfriend just messaged me and goes, hey, I grabbed your email off your TikTok, um, off your Instagram, and I've sent you a voucher for some meals. So just use them when you're ready. That was like, I mean, people sent bunches of flowers, which, you know, in Australia can be anywhere up to $200 for a bunch of flowers to be delivered. Yeah, they're they were, so expensive They were there. beautiful. And I'm so grateful. Like, I was actually quite overwhelmed with how many showed up at the house. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so supported and loved. However, then that friend sent me that meal voucher and that was meals enough for a week. And I was like, all of those people, if they had spent that money on a meal voucher, the same as she did, I would have had like over a month's worth of food that I didn't have to worry about. So things where the person who's grieving doesn't have to think about a response and you just do something for them or, you know, that, those sorts of things were the most helpful um, in terms of what to say. There's nothing you can say that will make it better. So rather than saying, how are you? Because that's an awkward question to answer when you're grieving, because of course the answer is not good, but then it's an awkward way to respond to someone. So you just kind of go, yeah, I'm okay, but you're not. <laughs> so you have to, you know, either be a real, feel like you're being a Debbie Downer and say, oh, you know, not good. Or you have to just be like lying. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, so the best thing you can do is just say, I'm thinking of you, you know, would you like to have coffee tomorrow? Like, I don't know, just things that don't really require too much of an effort on the part of the grieving person is the best, the best thing. Um, showing up as well. I had, you know, I had three friends travel from Queensland for the funeral, you know, which is amazing. Like I just felt so supported and they were just there for the funeral and then gone the next day. Like, and I barely even spoke to them, but just having them there, having their presence was amazing even though I you know barely acknowledged it, <laughs> that they were there because I was just so wrapped up in everything that was happening yeah but you did acknowledge them you did know you were there they oh, were there course, and, and, you know, said, and, and said yeah. hi and, and you know we had you know we had the wake afterwards and I mingled with them and all that kind of stuff but you know it, it does all pass in a massive blur and you know depending on who it is lots of people could show up to the funeral and You've got that aspect of having to run around and talk to so many different people. Um, you don't get to just kind of hang out with maybe your one best friend like you really want to. And, of course, I yeah. really felt like I wanted to just be with my siblings. And you're saying, like, 
asking like, do you want to go for coffee tomorrow? Even though I can also imagine that maybe when you say yes, one moment, but then the next day you're actually like, I cannot get out of my bed. What about just showing up with a takeaway coffee at your house? Is that too invasive or? It would depend on the person. I I get bothered mm. by people showing up unannounced. That's something that I don't love. So um, I wouldn't like that, but hopefully my friends know that about me. But if your friend is someone who doesn't mind, you know, spontaneous visits and absolutely showing up with a coffee, showing up with, you know, a fruit basket, something that they're going to be able to use um, would definitely be helpful. Um, rather than saying, let me know when you're free for coffee, say, let, would you like to have coffee tomorrow at X time? You know, just the less thinking we have to do to respond to you, the more likely we are to respond to you. And I'm lucky enough through work, I get, um, I get some psychology sessions for free every year. So I, I took advantage of those immediately, which, um, was really good. And the first piece of advice the psychologist gave me was stick to your plans, your social plans, but make sure you have an exit strategy. So that just means, you know, I had so many things organized right after mum died because it was sort of, you know, um, lots of friends' birthdays and so on. And she said, just make sure you have an exit strategy. So don't Uber and drink, drive your car so that you can leave after 10 minutes if you need to. But she goes, the more you surround yourself with people, the less isolated and sad you're going to feel um, over time. And I think when you compare our, you know, Christian-based way of grieving where we have one day where you're allowed to cry and say all the things you want to say and you're surrounded by everyone that that person knew and then everyone goes about their business and you might not see, like, I don't think I'll see my mum's friends ever again. You know, there's no need to because they were her friends and I would see them with her, but why would I go and see them, you know? So you might not ever see those people again, whereas my partner's Samoan and their grieving process lasts for months, you know, weeks before and many weeks after the funeral where family and friends are coming and they're just pouring in the doors with food and gifts and support and love and comfort. And so you really just get to grieve because you've got people around you who are sad with you, bringing you food, allowing you to just sit with your grief. There's another um, creator on Instagram who I follow who um, recently lost her mum very suddenly as well. Um, And she was speaking about a podcast, a grief podcast that she listened to that spoke about the Jewish faith. And this is just secondhand. So if I'm incorrect and any Jewish people are like, what are you talking (laughs) about? I apologize. This is just what I heard on on her Instagram. Um, that the the per- people who are grieving are not allowed to do anything for the first week. So that means no showering, no brushing their hair, no working, nothing. You just sit with your grief. And to be honest, that sounds amazing because the last thing you feel like doing when you're grieving someone is anything. Like you just want to sit there and wallow in it. Like brushing, your, it's a bit like being in a depressive episode. Like everything is an effort. Everything is hard to do. It just feels too normal when you're going through this sudden, oh my God, they're gone. What do you mean brush my teeth? That's like a thing I do twice a day, every day. That's a normal thing. I can't do that because it's not normal right now, do you know? And I just think the way that our culture, our society grieves, it just, it, it's not grief. It doesn't allow you to grieve. You just expect it to have one day of grief and then off you go back into the big wide world, back to work, back to normal routine. So I think Staying as social as you can is, you know, even if you just 
bail after 15 minutes. So helpful. That's an amazing tip. There are some really, really good takeaways in what you just mentioned. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, how, how do you deal with children when you're like, you're, you are, have your husband, thank God, who was able to pick up a lot of the work around your children. But if you want to sit on a couch for a week and you do, how do you go about your children? How do you make sure that they understand what's going on with mom or with the parent? Yeah. Um, my kids, you know, that I had them very young. So my daughter's 13 and my son's about to turn 10. So, um, they're old enough to kind of understand what it means in a way. Neither of them have really experienced a significant loss. I think the most closest thing my son would have experienced was his dog um, had to be put down um, at his nan's That's also a lot of grief. His dad's side. Yeah, a lot of grief for a little kid. So that's probably the closest thing he's felt to that. My mum wasn't very well in the last few years of her life, so I wasn't bringing the kids to her very often. Um, so my daughter had a stronger relationship with her, I think, than my son did. Cause when kids are young, they don't remember a lot unless it's very frequently happening. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause I try not to hide feelings from my kids. I try to normalize all feelings. You know, we all feel angry sometimes. We all feel sad sometimes. And I've lost my mom. Like it's, it's not something that can just be pushed aside all the time like definitely I get up and I do things for my kids like I wasn't just leaving them to the wolves and you know sitting on the couch and doing absolutely nothing but you know but even if you were that's that's allowed it is it is (laughs) for the listener even if that is how you get through the first couple weeks a hundred percent and and honestly like it's all a blur. So I could have been like, I don't know. I could have been sitting on the couch like a blob for the first couple of weeks. We should maybe ask your husband. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Bring him in. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I have noticed interestingly that my son um, has had lots of periods, especially after I'm sort of getting emotional in front of them because it does hit me sometimes when I'm like cooking, you know, because mum loved cooking. So sometimes, you know, I'm using one of her knives and I'm just like, Whoa. and I let my kids see it because I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed of my grief. You know, she was my mum. But my son has started to feel quite a bit of anxiety around losing me. So it's, it's like he sees my pain at losing my mum and he's putting himself in my shoes and saying, well, oh my God. I would die if you died. Like I wouldn't know what to do. I can't ever imagine that there'll be a time that you won't be with me and I'll call you and you won't answer. And so, you know, he's he's dealing with a lot of little feelings himself that are coming out of losing his grandma um, and seeing his mum get so sad. And I think a big part of that is because we're such a young family. You know, my mum's mum is only 74, so um, their great-grandma's still, you know, very much you know, alive and well and doesn't look any time soon like she's going. She's still walking 20,000 steps a day and wearing her skinny jeans and purple hair and, like, she's really fun. My grandmother's awesome. But, you know, because we're such a young family, I think, you know, my mum had me when she was 20. You just expect to have so much more time. And I think it is the natural order of things for kids to lose their grandparents. But I think when you haven't lost your great-grandparent yet and then, you know, your grandma was so young and your mum's so young. It's not quite as natural, you know, compared with when I'm an old woman and my mum's an old woman. 
and then she passes, you know, and yeah. So I think the kids are the kids have been amazing, but they definitely they definitely take take on a bit of it as well. Yeah, oh poor little thing. Yeah. Poor little guy. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> um, I was also wondering: Is it always okay to bring up the the past, the person that passed away? Because sometimes you're like just having drinks and chatting. Like, for example, some of these social events that you're speaking about. How okay is it to then be like, "But how are you really doing?" Or how have you been dealing with the whole situation? Like, are there some social cues to that? I think. I think out in public, no, don't ask those questions because, like, you know, even sitting here talking to you, there have been moments where I've had to be like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because, um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 painful to talk about, you know. I think if you're in a social situation and you feel like you must bring it up, ask them about the person. Like, you know, um, did your mum like doing this or did they love doing that as well? Like, you know, or what kind of clothes did they like to just uh, just – I love talking about my mum. Like I love telling stories about her and, and, you know, especially since she passed, you know, I'm hearing a lot more stories from when she was young before she had kids and she was a rat bag and I didn't realise that she doesn't seem like she was a rat bag. So it's quite funny hearing all these stories from like her high school friends and my dad who was with her from when they were 16, you know. So that's been really fun. So I love talking about those stories. So that's really nice. I think the questions that should be avoided in public or even in private. I mean, feel the room a little bit. Um, are things like, how did they pass? What happened? Um, you know, and those deep questions like, but really, how are you doing? Probably avoid them in public because, you know, even just that question in itself, because it's so caring and it, and it shows that you really are genuinely wanting to know how they're doing and not just the perfunctory, how are you going? Nice to see you. Like, how are you? <laughs> kind of thing. It can just trigger the tears or you know trigger the feelings so um yeah unless they bring it up avoid the subject okay I think that's a really good point so even um like when you are talking about it and I mean often people are very curious about how someone passed and how it all happened right that's just like a natural curiosity in in people I think but unless you're unless the person brings it up like don't ask don't ask I think you know people will talk about it if they want to like um I work in healthcare so my boss you know she was sort of like oh you know was it expected and I said no and she goes was she sick and I went no yes and no and that was like I didn't elaborate and I think you know she's really good because she's in healthcare she understands it's okay she doesn't want to talk about it she left it at that and I think those sorts of questions you'll feel whether the person, you know, if they're, if they're just answering no, no, yes, no, like and not elaborating on their answers, it's a pretty clear indication that they don't want to talk about it. So start with small leading questions if you really must find out or if you feel like you really need to know. Start with the small questions. Give them a chance to elaborate. If they don't elaborate, just, just assume that they don't want to talk about it because aside from my immediate family and my very close friends who are already aware of my mum and our situation I have not spoken about it to anyone so I'm just I don't want to I'm not ready to that would be my advice so the first question of yeah that's really nice um the first question of was it expected that is a good opener to kind of feel the waters and if someone is not really elaborating then yeah let the subject go 
Yeah, exactly. Because, okay. you know, that's often if it's expected. I remember with my grandpa, you know, he's my favorite person in the world, aside from, aside from my parents, you know, and my kids. But he's, he was my favorite person in the world. And, and you know, he. but we knew he was going to pass away. So we have a lot of time to say goodbyes and, and everything. So when people asked about him and they say, oh, was it sudden? Oh, no, he had cancer. He had pancreatic cancer. He was quite sick for a while, you know, but he got to he got to die at home, so it was, you know, and I was elaborating on everything. Like I was able to talk about it all. But when it comes to mum, people say, was it sudden? Was it expected? No, it wasn't. That's all I want to say. <laughs> sudden and unexpected. Period. Period. Like that's enough. And I think if it was something like, you know, truly insane or horrific or mind-blowing, I'd probably want to gossip about it a little bit in some way. But I just, it's just tragic and I don't want to. So, yeah, that's. I just don't, I just don't um, elaborate on any of those answers until I'm ready. Very, very clear. Um, and then are there some more things that you absolutely should not do to like with a loved one that is going through grief? Is there anything else that comes up in your mind? Don't fight about property and money. Like I, I, it was really interesting because mom, you know, mom had obviously everyone has a little bit of money when they pass. And, you know, I sort of, as the oldest, um, and you know, my parents weren't together when mom passed. So it, it's sort of, even though my grandma's still alive, it sort of fell to me to take care of all of the assets and everything. And, and I was sort of like, Oh, you know, do you want me, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with that? And everyone was just like, we don't do what you want. Like if you're going to do all that stuff, you can decide what to do with it all. Like we, you know, you're taking on that load. And I just think if, if we had started arguing about money or assets, it would have been 10 times worse to go through that because not only are you then fighting with your siblings, you're isolated from them. Probably the only people who can even close to understand what you're going through. So I, I know that like, Property wars after death are so common. But if it's someone you're close with, avoid at all costs. Money means nothing. Things mean nothing. Like your relationships with your family, obviously barring toxic relationships and people that aren't good for you. Relationships are everything in this time. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Just don't fight over their stuff. Like leave it. You mentioned something really important there, because apart from the emotion that comes with someone passing, there is this huge administrative burden that also comes with it. They have to go through, you have to empty someone's house. Um, and you talked about that on your TikTok as well. And someone even and because you were like, I had to uh, like the electricity bill, I had to stop phone bills and like you have to take care of all of those things. And someone also replied to that, like getting handed the death certificate was a huge moment as well. So there is this whole administrative piece that we haven't even spoken about. How do you juggle that on top of the emotions that you're feeling? You just ask, you know, phone calls make it a little bit easier because you can always sit in a room and then you just like, you know, you just explain to them the situation and, you know, no one cares if you cry when you say that you lost your mom, like it's pretty understandable. Um, you know, when you have to go physically into the bank because they need to see a copy of the death certificate, that's a little bit more shit because <laughs> am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's a little bit crappier because, you know, you're, I remember going and I was a little bit early. So before the bank opened and 
And so I was kind of sitting there and I was doing that, you know, where you shake your leg up and down, like that anxious sort of just vibrating while I was waiting for the bank to open. And there's all these people around and I was just sitting there like just trying not to cry already because I knew what I had to go in there and talk about. And I I was like, you know, probably retrospectively, I would go back and make sure the bank was well open before I went so that I didn't have that anxious period. But like, it's, again, it's just one of those things. and And I think, you know, those are the sorts of things that I tend to automatically just do. Like I'm, I'm quite a, I'm quite a organized and just get on top of things kind of person. So I was just like, oh yeah, I'll go do that. Even though, even though it was really tough and like, you know, picking up the ashes. And I think the the ashes in particular, picking those up was a big moment of trauma for me that really opened up a lot of, a lot of hard emotions. I think, you know, that, and that's where people started saying, oh, but she, you know, I say that's all that's left of her is her ashes. And that's what, that's where people start saying, no, she's still there with you. You know, that's not all that's left of her. You're part of her, your siblings are part. And like all again, very unhelpful because physically that is all that's left of her, right? Like that she's, yeah. in, she's in a box, you know, and that's, that, that was very tough for me. And I, I haven't gotten to that place yet where I can have conversations with her in my head or out loud in the car or anything like that like it just maybe that maybe that little bit of hesitation is just me not quite accepting it you know because I think if I start talking and she's not going to talk back that's me going yes I've accepted that she's gone and I think I'm holding on to that little part of me that says no it's not real she's she's just on holiday (laughs) acceptance is the last stage the seventh stage of uh grief yeah and so I think, maybe you know, maybe once you get there maybe you know and I think there are some days where I'm like yeah I'm sitting with this grief and I'm I'm proud to have it because it really shows the relationship that we had and then other days I'm like how could she be gone this isn't real this is ridiculous and then you know I get angry at the people in the healthcare system who failed her you know and then I'm like maybe I should write an angry email and like let them know what they did like you know it's like you think you get to one place and then you just go way back here or like you jump over there. So there's like, no, it's definitely not linear. And I think even if you feel like you get to the acceptance phase, you're probably not there yet. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, maybe it's just one step forward, three steps back all the time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's also something that the listeners who are going through this should realize this is, this is normal. That's griefing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have a lot of, especially early on, you have so many big feelings. Um, Another great tip the psychologist that I spoke to gave me, which might actually help some of the listeners who are grieving, I was really upset because I had been dealing with acne for eight years prior to her passing. And now my skin's lovely. But because of that, I was in no photographs with her for the last almost decade. And you can imagine how that would be feeling looking back now, how stupid I was, you know, how could I have not taken photos with my mum? I took photos with nobody, but how could I have not taken photos with my mum just because of my skin that's so shallow? I'll regret that forever. And I expressed that to the uh, the psychologist and she said, well, you know, there was a time in, in the past where cameras didn't exist and people had to grieve without photos as well. So she said something that would be really helpful is to 
think about a photo album but a memory album instead. So what I started doing, I grabbed a book and I just started writing down and, and I even did some scrapbooking pages with little, you know, cookbook things that she had and and just writing down as many memories and little things that remind me of mum as possible. So almost instead of a photo album, it's like a memory album. So I flip through that and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that time. Remember how she always used to say this? Or remember how annoying that was when she would do that without, you know, that kind of thing. And and that's really nice to have, um, you know, when you're having periods of feeling really sad and just wanting to look through a photo album but you can look through a memory album as well which is really nice you know I have a lot of photos of me and mum when I was a child and and a baby and you know a teenager but none from when I'm an adult so having those memories to look at is really nice because most of those memories are in my adulthood you know we were Mm. very very we were very close we were we were like best friends you know so we had a really good relationship and so many little funny stories that were just between me and her so it's really nice to have that. That's such a beautiful idea because there would even be a lot of moments that I share with my mom, for example, where we wouldn't have a photo to to um, commemorate. Exactly. So I think this is a beautiful idea, regardless of even if you have a hundred thousand photos with the person that's passed. All these little memories, these little um, things someone has said, that could be a really beautiful memory. Yeah, like it's a great idea phrases, to pour some energy catch, into that. Little catchphrases that she had or little things that she used to say in certain moments and, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice idea. I think that would be yeah. a great way of people pouring some energy and grief into into doing something physical and making a scrapbook. Yeah, it does provide a bit of an outlet because, you know, sometimes, especially in those early stages when you get smacked with it, you feel like you're vibrating from the inside out and it needs to go somewhere, but it has nowhere to go. You know, that person's gone. So just having something to sit and mindfully do, yeah, it was, it was very helpful. And it's nice to have that now. You know, I don't, I don't add to it anymore. I'm, a, I'm at a stage where I'm at a bit of an impasse with all that stuff. I'm just sort of sitting with it for a while. But it is really nice to go through what I had got done in those early weeks. And that's really nice to have. Great tip. Thank you so much. Um, time for the final question, which is always, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? Oh, I would say, even though everyone grieves the same, and I say that very loosely, we all feel the same emotions. We don't all respond in the same way, if that makes sense. So yes, we're feeling all the same things, but some people can feel all of that and appear perfectly fine on the outside. And some people feel all of that and you can see it physically, you know, limp hair, no, you know, they're just looking tired. They're not sleeping well. They're not going, showing up to work. Like, you know, there are two very different types of people. And, and if you don't look on the outside, like you're grieving someone, it doesn't mean that you're not grieving them and you don't need to worry about outside appearances. I think I held myself back from doing things that I really enjoy doing, like going to the gym. You know, I I was a personal trainer for eight years up until this year, up until early this year. Um, So the gym has always been a big part of my life, uh, much to my mom's shock. (laughs) Um, And, and I have, I was just, I would refuse to go and do any exercise because I was like, no, it will look like I'm moving on. And I don't want people to think that I'm moving on. My biggest takeaway would be, a, who cares what people think? You know how you feel inside and you know that your your grief is not going to get smaller just because you go back to the gym. Um, 
yeah, that that would be my biggest takeaway. Don't let out, outside appearances get in the way of doing what you need to do to grieve. If you need to look like shit for three months, four months, six months to grieve, then do it. If you need to look put together and keep going to work and go to the gym to grieve, do it. Just grieve. However feels good for you. <laughs> Amazing. I think that's such a good takeaway. Thank you so much for sharing. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, so I'm just on TikTok is my public account. Um, Jess Neal. Is there an underscore under it? I can't remember. Jess Neal underscore. Yeah. yeah. So Jess, Jess Neal underscore. I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so find me on TikTok and um, come say hi. You know, I, I really try to engage with as many people as I can, but some of my videos get, you know, hundreds and thousands of comments, not hundreds and thousands, but hundreds and thousands. <laughs> of comments so it's hard to get everybody but I do try to engage with people and I get a lot of dms and even if I can't respond to every single one of them I read them all and I get emails and I read them all and I love them all it's just you know it's a lot when you're trying to grieve to respond to so many messages but I love I love the engagement I love people being on there so come join me and keep listening to my stories Yes, definitely follow Jess. Whether you're going through a griefing period yourself or not, it is so fascinating to understand what someone else is going through, especially um, when there's someone in your life who's going through it. Um, So definitely have a listen. Also, what you're saying about the comments, they're also amazing. Like there's people are so open and honest about what they're going through. And when you're talking about an absolute low point of the past week, someone will share theirs as well. And it's really beautiful, the kind of uh, community you've created there. Yeah, it, it creates a good community. And, you know, it, I, I have had a couple of comments, particularly on videos where I'll start crying, uh, you know, good acting or, you know, um, how could you put something so private online? And my response to that is, you know, we have probably, I would say, three main emotions is anger and happiness and sadness and I'm like why is it that I could get on TikTok and rant and rave about something that happened in the store like oh this lady rah 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 and that's okay or I can get on and be like oh my god I'm so excited about XYZ but if I get on and cry which is also a feeling like the other two that I was having that's like oh my god she's how dare she share that with us like that's such a private thing it's not it's just an emotion and crying like smiling when you're happy crying when you're sad is just a way of showing that that's what you're feeling. So I don't know. I think it it needs to be, I think it needs to be seen more and, you know, not have such a taboo around it. They're just tears. It's just like a smile. It's just a way of expressing the emotion that you're feeling. (laughs) That is so beautiful the way that you put that. And um, clearly there's a lot of people that do feel the same way or they do agree that you should be able to uh, to allow your emotions and show it because you've been growing so much over the past couple months and people are loving your honesty so thank god those the people that you've just mentioned are maybe a couple bad eggs but generally (laughs) people are amazing and we're going to focus on the people that are appreciative of what you're sharing (laughs) absolutely and i'm just i was more bringing it up i think because i don't want people to feel like they can't also be vulnerable like definitely be vulnerable don't don't worry about those small group of people like crying is okay being sad is okay Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. I really appreciate the honesty and your vulnerability. And there are some amazing takeaways, both for me and I 
have a better understanding of how I can support my friends and anyone going forward. And I also think anyone going through it themselves right now, or even in the future, if something happens, maybe someone will come back to this episode and understand that they're not alone. And I think that is really important. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It truly means the world having you here. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast and leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple. It really helps with growing. We will be back. Bye. Easter is just around the corner. And what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there is a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture.